morning and lovely to be here again. That was a wonderful worship this morning so far and it's great as we've just prayed to be in the house of God and worshipping God. Now this morning we are continuing with our journey through the Apostles Creed, an expression of our Christian faith. Now last week we looked at Jesus, the one who will come again one day and judge Not the most popular and comfortable of topics, but true because God's word says so. Now this morning we're going to turn our focus to the next section of the creed with a declaration, which we've just heard in prayer there. The declaration this morning is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with a lovely extract from a children's poem It's anonymous, I don't have the the author of this poem, but this is what it says. Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. Lovely. But here's what the Bible says about the wind in John chapter three and eight. The wind blows wherever it pleases, You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It's the same as the Hebrew word, and I'm hoping I pronounce this properly, (laughs) ruach. Now, in Hebrew, the Holy Spirit is the holy wind. And here is what Jesus said to his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 5 to 7. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, some translations will say counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now here Jesus was preparing his disciples for the end of their earthly journey with him. They were disillusioned, probably in tears. We hear that word grief there. But Jesus reassured them this was a good thing because although fully God, he was also fully man. And he could only be in one place, have one conversation, and give one loving touch at a time. But not so with the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. He can be everywhere and anywhere. We can't see him, but we can see his work, and we can even feel his touch in our lives. So who is the Spirit? the advocate we've just read about. What's our relationship to him? What are we declaring when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to discover some of these, the answers to some of these this morning. Well, firstly, we discover that the Holy Spirit is instrumental. What do we mean by that? Well, the Holy Spirit 
Whenever God does something big, the Holy Spirit contributes, is active. And we see this in Genesis chapter 1 and 3, in the creation as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. We see it in the incarnation in Matthew 1 and 20, when Mary, Mary became pregnant, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We see it in the crucifixion. Christ offered himself up through the Spirit, we're told, in Hebrews chapter 9 and 14. We see it in regeneration, that need for spiritual life, of being born again, as we just read in John 3 and 8, by the Holy Spirit. And then we see it in the resurrection, as the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, in Romans 8 and 11. Now, what does that mean for us when we think about this? God contributing, God being instrumental. Well, whenever God does something in your life, big or small, the Holy Spirit is active too. He hovers over us, if you like. He hovers over us. He reveals Jesus to us, and he brings the truth of God's word to us. As we become new creations in Christ, he comes and he dwells in us. He takes what's Christ's and he makes it ours. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But not only is the Holy Spirit instrumental, he's also interpersonal. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, as we've uh, just been hearing uh, this morning, I wonder if there's any uh, fans of Star Wars here. Any Star Wars fans? Yeah, there are. <laughs> there's so many of them now. Which film is your best one? <laughs> um, and you know, as we've just heard there uh, from Sue uh, and the wee video clip that we saw, I mean, the Holiday Club this week is just amazing. Yeah, Jesus is our superhero. I can't get that song out of my head, actually, Sue. <laughs> Jesus is our superhero. And, uh, well, on the Wednesday, we had the dress-up day. So we saw all these fictional heroes were coming through the door. Yeah, we had Spider-Man here. We had Superman, cardboard cutout and everything else. And uh, we also had, I've forgotten about him, we had Green Lantern Man, Aka. Andrew Don. <laughs> a really amazing Green Lantern man, what he, you know, what he was able to do with his superpowers. But we also had, coming through the door, one of the children, Darth Vader. Yes, and he had the lightsaber with him as well. It was amazing. Now, I wonder what your favorite line is, or are we seeing out of these Star Wars films? Well, probably the most famous one is, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. And of course, in the Star Wars film, the force is this invisible energy field that the Jedi is harnessed for good, but the dark siders manipulated for evil. Well, the good characters, that was the goodies. This was the Jedis, you know, as they were parting company with one another, this is what they would say. May the force be with you. And it really was just an expression of goodwill that the force would work in their favor as out they went to the impending challenge or attack eh, of these dark siders. Now, when we think about this fictional force, we're reminded in John 16 and 13, this is what Jesus said. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet 
to come. Now, the fictional force of Star Wars is nothing like the reality of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is interpersonal. He's not something that we tap into way out here. No, he's someone we relate to right in here inside of us. Now, I wonder if you notice in that verse 13, uh, there's a word there that's repeated several times, small word. One, two, three, that's enough time. Yes, the word is he. The word is he. Now, that's a personal pronoun, not the impersonal noun, it. And the Holy Spirit is the personality. He's able to relate to us in a personal way. And because he relates to us in a personal way, we have that opportunity to relate to him in a personal way as he speaks to us. He speaks to us and he reveals God to us through God's word and also the stirring that he does, you know, in our soul. Jesus left the earth, but the Holy Spirit has come. And this is a good thing for you and for me because the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives. Now, he gets involved in our lives. And how does he do that? Well, he does it in many ways. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these ways that he gets involved. Now, first of all, he gets involved because we're corrupted, but he changes us. Now, Ezekiel 36 is a well-known verse, uh, verses 26 to 27. This is what happens. I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, God's work begins in us with a cleanup. He's cleaning up. He cleanses us from the old sinful self and he gives us a new heart and a new spirit. That's what he's promising there. We're changed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our spirit as he moves us towards obedience. Now, the Holy Spirit also gets involved because we're weak and we're alone, but he comes beside us. This is what Jesus said about this in John 14, verses 15 to 16. He said, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another counselor to help you and be with you forever. Now, these verses force us, I think, to face up to a continual struggle that we have with God. We say, yes, yes, I want to obey you, Lord. But of course we don't at times. We don't. Quite honestly, we don't, if we're honest. And that's because we try to justify to ourselves, well, I think my way is best here, God. This is how I'm going to do this. But Jesus just puts, he just puts an end to all our excuses of self-justification. And he says, but I'm sending you a counselor. He's the one that's going to help you. I'm going to send that counselor to get alongside you, that comforter. He'll strengthen you within when you're feeling in that place of loneliness, when you're feeling in that place where you need help. The counselor will be with you. And he'll be with you in a new and a more powerful way. 
Amazing. And then we could say the Holy Spirit gets involved because we are incomplete and he indwells us. Now, if we look at John 14 again, and we go on to that verse 17 this time, this is what it says. For he, the Holy Spirit, lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Now, these are amazing, amazing words. If we can just dwell on that a second or two, let that sink in. Jesus is comforting his disciples as we are comforted right now as we read that scripture. But not only is the Holy Spirit with them, but the Holy Spirit will soon be in them, in them. Now, I had a wee idea about this, and I'm just hoping it works. I'm going to do a demo here. For some of you that know me, I play tennis. I try my best <laughs> to get the ball over the net, at least. So I've brought my, my faithful tennis racket with me. I haven't brought the tennis ball. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. But I've brought this wee glove, well, one of my, my gloves, and I'm going to put it on the handle of the tennis racket like so. Just, just to give us a wee... Um, demonstration of what we're saying there, that the, the Holy Spirit, you know, comes and lives inside us. This is a tennis ball. I've just made this one. It's made of paper. <laughs> now, if I was to say to this glove, right glove, pick up the racket, go and throw us a good serve here. So, I think we would, nope, glove doesn't want to do that. What about a volley? Maybe a volley, backhand, be forehand here, give us a wee demo. No, nothing happening. We're not expecting anything to happen, are we? But hey, we'll go along with this little scenario. Now, if I take the glove from the racket and I put my hand in the glove. Now, if I pick up the racket, if I pick up the racket, the glove in it, I'm just going to just hit it here, front row, nobody else. <laughs> not up to the gallery there. <laughs> So, just a wee hope I hit it. I mean, that's the thing. Just a wee hit there. Oh, yes, the ball will travel. Yes, the ball will travel. So, what's the point of this little analogy? Just as we're linking it into the Holy Spirit in us. Well, you see, this glove on its own is useless. Absolutely useless. You've probably worked this out, but I think it's good. It's useless. But when it's indwelt by my hand, the glove is able to do everything that the hand can do, you see? Everything the hand can do. And similarly, because the Holy Spirit is in us, and if you like, just to use this analogy, we have that hand of God filling us, then with him in us, we're energized, and we're enabled to experience life as it was intended to be for us, with God's Holy Spirit in us. Now, what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me? I've got a lovely quote here from a man called Paul Brand. This is what he says. He says, Holy Spirit is asking us to be the chief bearers of his likeness in the world. As spirit, he remains invisible on this planet. So he relies upon us to give flesh to that spirit, to bear the image of God bear the image of God. What is it he's saying there? 
what he's saying there about God's spirit in us is that we are carrying Christ's likeness wherever we go. Our friends, our neighbors, where we live, our community, our family, even here as we gather for fellowship together, we carry Christ's likeness and his image to those around us. I hope you're still with me because the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives in so many ways. And here's one. It's because we're ignorant and confused, but he instructs us. He makes things clear. He illuminates us. John 14, 25 to 26 tells us this. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. I've said to you. Now, how will the Holy Spirit do this? How will he do this? Well, he teaches us through God's Word, primarily through God's Word. We're learning about that this morning as we look at the Apostles' Creed. We also learn from teachers of the Bible, from pastors or ministers, from books that we read, our own personal times of study. And when we hear and read God's Word, the Holy Spirit instructs us And he makes the truth of it clear so that we can grow and learn. And in the time of need, and in the time of need, he reminds us of what we learned and know to be true. And we can also share that with someone else in their time of need. I don't know if that's happened to you. It has to me in the past. God's words just come at a moment when I've needed it or someone else has needed it. But here's the challenge for us. We cannot be reminded of something that we've never learned. We can't be reminded of it. And that's why we need continually to be built up in God's word so that when it's time to speak the truth, either to ourselves, you know, this is what God's word says about me and says about you. This is what God's word says about my situation and your situation. We've just been singing about the promises of God. This is what God's word says. This is what it says. But even to someone else in that time of need, the Holy Spirit will remind us of what he has taught us. And I've been praying this this morning before I came to do this sermon. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, you'll bring all things to my remembrance. Yes, how we need that. Now, there are many other ways, but I'm just going to add one more. Stay with me, because I think this is the most important one. They're all important, but this one, I think, is very important. You see, the Holy Spirit gets involved in our lives because we're immature, but he sanctifies us. He sanctifies us. Now, another word for sanctify is holy. And as we've talked about the Spirit, you can't have missed the word holy. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, well, there'd be nothing holy or spiritual about us. And as John 14, 26 reminds us, the Spirit of God is holy and he's in us. And so now we are holy as well. How does that work? How does the Holy Spirit sanctify us? How does he do that work in us? Well, we're all born with a sinful heart and flesh and a dead spirit. We do things in our own strength instead of in the power of the Spirit within us. But when we're born again, 
we get a new heart. We read about that and heard about in Ezekiel 36 there. And the Holy Spirit, as we've been saying, comes into us. But our ongoing struggle is between our spirit and the indwelling sin within us. But because the Holy Spirit is in us, he can empower us and direct us by being holy through us when we choose, when we choose. Now, this is the key. This is at the very heart of the Holy Spirit's involvement in our lives. We have to rely on the sanctified Holy Spirit within us living through us to set us apart in holiness. And that involvement is about a continual listening process of listening to the Holy Spirit, surrendering to him, and then relying on him to do what he's told us to do. Now, the more that we do this, the more we'll see the Holy Spirit sanctify our lives in ways that we never thought possible. Now, I want to share a true story with you just to highlight this great and wonderful truth. And I really do think it's profoundly theological in its essence. It's a story about an evangelical sisterhood and they are in Darmstadt in Germany. Now they were formed as an act of repentance for their own country's part in the Second World War. These sisters prayed, their focus was repentance. The head of this group was a lady called Basilia Schlink. You may have read some of her books. And she tells a story in one of her books called Realities. It's an excellent book, great testimonies in there. And it shows how important it is for us to listen, to surrender and to rely on the Holy Spirit for that continual sanctification that he brings in our lives. Here's what happened. The sisters uh, were, they were building a chapel. They were building their own chapel by their own hands. And they had a rail that was leading up to uh, the building site. And on the rail, there was a dump cart. And that was used to bring all the, the building materials that were no longer needed back down, you see, away from where they were building. Well, at one point, the dump cart jumped the rails. So they put it back on the rails, not jumping again back on the rails, jumping again. It just would not stay on the rails. So they called in an engineer. Now the engineer tried everything, try and get this dump cart to stay on the rails. But there was nothing effective that he used to keep it there. Now finally, and we do this, we do the important things last, don't we? They went into their prayer tent nearby and they started to pray. Now, this is what happened as the Holy Spirit began his unique sanctifying work. As they prayed, one of the sisters confessed that she had a grudge against another sister. So she confessed it, she turned away from it, and uh, believed for forgiveness and cleansing from God, and she made restitution with the other sister involved. So they continued praying, and then another sister <laughs> did the same thing, and then another, until they were all involved. And if you like, it was as if the slate was made clean. Now, as they allowed the Holy Spirit to get involved in their lives, they surrendered, and they, they just relied on that sanctifying work at that moment. This is what happened next. They returned to the work at the building site, 
on they got with the work. And this is what they solemnly declared after that time of prayer. This is what they said. The dump cart never jumped the rails again. It never jumped those rails again. Now, it's got an amusing touch to it, that story. But I do think it's theologically very profound. Jesus said, you can't come and ask for forgiveness from God if you've not forgiven others. It highlights the need, does it not, for us to be open to the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and be willing to listen to him, to surrender to him and and to allow him to show us things that he wants to change in us and not only in our individual lives, but also in the church, in the community of God's people and the fellowship that we share with one another in the spirit. In that community, we are called to maintain the unity of the spirit with one another as we see the outworking and the outpouring of the diversity of gifts which the Holy Spirit gives. And we don't have time to go into that this morning, but you can read it for yourself in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. Where are these gifts? What do they look like? Well, we've got a word of wisdom. We've got knowledge. We've got gifts of faith. We've got healing, prophecy, working of miracles. We heard Anne giving testimony there in the children's church of her father, about her father. We have discerning of spirits, such an important gift, and different kinds of tongues and interpretation, it says all by the one and same Holy Spirit who distributes to each one individually as he wills. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within each one of us and as the body of Christ. Now, we've covered quite a bit there. hope you've been able to stay with me (laughs) in the declaration. I believe in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more we could have looked at, but just amazing when we declare that what we're saying and that relationship that the Holy Spirit has with us and we have with him. Now, finally, I just want to finish and I want you to finish with me in this way. I want you to imagine, um, just for a moment, you are walking against a really strong wind. Now, we've all been in that kind of wind at some point. You know, you're, you're, you're going along, you're, you're trying to get along here, the wind, and it's like two forward and three steps back. You know, you're holding on to your hood or your hat. Your bags are swinging all over the place. You're thinking, oh, I'm exhausted with this wind. I hardly, I've only got to get to the door, but I can hardly get there. Such is the strength of the wind. Yep. Now, I want you to hold that image. Just hold that image. And just imagine that, as we discovered earlier, the Holy Spirit is the holy wind. We see a wee parallel here, you know? If we are walking against the direction of the Spirit, our feet drag, you know? It's hard. Everything you do becomes harder. It takes more energy to do less when we move against the Spirit. We feel it in here. We get weary and we get a bit worn out. Now, what is the direction of the Spirit? The direction of the Spirit. The Spirit will always direct us towards the holy not towards the unholy. So go back to you walking against the wind. I wonder if you turned around and now you're moving with the 
wind behind your back. You think, oh, this is great here. I'm getting up the street quicker than I thought. <laughs> In fact, at some point, you're like this. The wind's pushing you on. A wee bit of power behind that wind, in a sense. Yeah, your legs definitely aren't as tired. Shopping bags aren't as heavy. You're getting there. Now, so it is with the Holy Spirit. If you're going against the direction of the Holy Spirit, if you turn around, change your course, the Bible calls this repentance, just what we heard there in the story of the sisters. It's called repentance. Turning away from the things that separate you from God. Turn away, and we call that sin. Turn away from that. And you're moving in the direction of the Spirit. It will be easier. Gradually, those things that are making life hard will become easier. They'll start to disappear because the Holy Spirit will empower you as he empowers us to move forward into the life that God always had planned and purposed for you. Now, as we picture that scene, as we picture that scene, we're challenged. What direction are we moving in? Are we moving against the Spirit? Or are we moving in the direction that the Spirit is leading us into? And even now, at this moment, even now today, we can turn around, we can change direction, and we can go into our prayer tent, so to speak. We can turn to God, and we can start walking with the wind behind our back and the Holy Spirit there, empowering you, empowering me to move in his direction. He is waiting, and he's ready to be with us as we do that. Let's pray together. Loving God, we are declaring this morning that we believe in the Holy Spirit. But how open and willing are we to let you, Holy Spirit, be more involved in our lives, to receive more of your power at work in us and through us? Forgive us when we struggle to do things on our own and in our own way, and in our own strength. And so we turn around, we change direction, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to empower us to walk controlled and guided by you. Thank you that you're always with us as our helper, our counselor. You're bringing all things to our remembrance, and you're leading us into all truth, changing us daily, more and more, into the likeness of Jesus. Thank you that we bear your image, Lord, and we carry your image. And we ask all this for your name's sake and your glory. Amen.